Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You're listening to the MLB.com StatCast Podcast. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello. Joining me to my left is Matt Myers, MLB.com National Editor. Matt, hello. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I kind of want to let everybody who's listening in on a big secret that as much as I love hosting the StatCast Podcast, it's not the only thing I do at MLB. I write some articles as often as I can. And uh, we also are doing this really cool thing that uh, we've been doing for a couple weeks now, and I don't think we've really talked about it yet. It's called MLB+. Uh, MLB Plus powered by Amazon Web Services and T-Mobile, and it's really cool. And it's a uh, kind of a, a unique and alternate and creative way to watch a baseball game in a way I think people haven't really seen before. And since I'm on the show and since people who are listening to this podcast would be interested in this, in this sort of thing, there's lots of stat cast. There's lots of uh, data and advanced stats. You won't hear a lot of talk about pitcher wins. And um, I know that everybody listening to the show is interested in that and or is my dad. So that's great, and I think that's really cool. And so we are going to be, uh, this week on Thursday evening, Mets and Nationals. That's kind of a big series, and I'm really excited to be able to talk about it for like three full hours. It's not just Mets Nationals. It is Strasburg versus Harvey, so there's all sorts of storylines related to to it. Um, You know, if you want to watch the game, it's available free via uh, MLB.tv. It's like the free game of the day, uh, although blackout restrictions are uh, enforced. Yeah, unfortunately, do apply, but free. It is free. So it's got that going for it, which is nice. Um, So... You know, it's obviously going to be a, a huge game, and we have a special guest joining us to uh, talk about it. Uh, yeah, we are going to have, in a, in a few minutes, Anthony DiComo, who is MLB.com's Mets beat writer, which is really cool. He's, he's been on the show before, uh, and this is going to be his MLB Plus debut on Thursday, which is cool. And um, I think that's one of the things I like about doing the show is because we have this like big network of, of talent and friends, we get to have some really interesting people on. So, for example, uh, this week, Darren Sutton will be our, our quote-unquote play-by-play guy who's been the voice of a couple teams, who's a, a really interesting guy. Uh, Fernando Perez, former big leaguer, who stole a base in the 2008 World Series, which is awesome, has been here uh, for a couple weeks, you know, giving us all sorts of interesting background. Uh, we'll have some video hits from Lindsey Barra. We'll have myself, of course. We'll have Will Leach. Will is always a lot of fun. Uh, in the past, we've had Jim Duquette, former general manager of the Mets and Orioles. Uh, Allison Footer has been on in the past. So we just kind of have a really cool, uh, interesting group of people. And uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun this week. Yeah, it'll be great. So as we're all very excited for this next MLB Plus broadcast, which I think will be really cool, joining us now is Anthony DiComo, MLB.com Mets beat writer, uh, who will be joining us from the ballpark on Thursday. And we'll be uh, adding a lot of context. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. So I think everybody uh, from the Mets side of thing is really interested in Matt Harvey, who's been kind of struggling. His ERA is 493. His velocity is down a couple ticks. I get the feeling that uh, Mets fans are panicking, and I know Mets fans always love to panic. But you know, in your in your view, is this uh, is something real or just kind of an early season blip for him? 
Yeah, well, of course, of course, Mets fans are panicking. That's what they do best, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's it's real. Um, you know, the joke around the ballpark is that you know when Matt Harvey was first coming up as a prospect, uh, scouts had almost universally pegged him as a number two, number three starter, and that's sort of what he's been this year for the Mets. Maybe even a little worse than that. Now, obviously, I don't buy that. He's proven time and again that that he's certainly a better pitcher than that, but. Like you said, he hasn't been in 2016, um, and there are so many things that go into this. Uh, his velocity on the whole has been down, like you said. Um, you know, if you look at his heat maps where he's throwing the ball in the strike zone, that pinpoint command that he had before Tommy John surgery, and, and really that came back so quickly after Tommy John surgery, uh, usually that's the last thing to come back. And for Matt Harvey, uh, he got it back almost right away, which was very impressive to see. Uh, that's been lacking this year. Uh, his walk rate is way up, uh, so his control, uh, as well as his command, is suffering a little bit. Um, he's giving up uh, more line drives than ever before. So all these things together have sort of coalesced uh, into what we've seen out of Matt Harvey. And, you know, I think the answer is really the simplest one. He's tired. Uh, it, this guy threw more innings last year coming off Tommy John surgery than anyone in the history of baseball had ever thrown in his first season off Tommy John surgery, so it's it's really hard to quantify what that means, how that affects the guy. We can't because there's no data to do it. Um, but I think what you're seeing, all these red flags that are popping up, are all a product, in some form or fashion, of that. Uh, Matt Harvey would never admit it, but the Mets around him, you know, Mets officials, manager Terry Collins, and going down the line, are starting to say, well, hey, maybe you know he is a little tired coming off what he did last year, and you know I think you can explain away all of these things that are affecting Matt Harvey point to point, uh, whether it's the velocity or the walks or whatever. You can make cases on why these things are happening, but I think if you just take a step back and see the forest for the trees, uh, fatigue is, is, to me, what's causing this. So if, if it is fatigue, do you get the sense that maybe the team may at some point shut him down, or maybe when Wheeler comes back, go to a six-man rotation? What do you think is sort of the... Uh, the, how, they're gonna, how do you think they're going to handle this you know, to try and get him through the full season? Well, yeah, the issue is that they've been doing sort of their best uh, really since before spring training started to do that. Um, you know, these guys, not just Matt Harvey, but Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, you know, all of whom threw a lot of innings last year, they started them late in spring training. Um, early in the season, they were very careful with their pitch counts. Uh, they gave them extra days when they could. Uh, they had a fortunate schedule in that regard, and that they had a lot of off days. They were almost always pitching these guys on five days rest instead of four uh, the first few times through the rotation. Um, but if it is indeed fatigue for Matt Harvey, obviously that hasn't helped. None of that has helped. So uh, I don't think they're at the point right now where they're thinking we got to shut this guy down for two, three weeks and get his batteries recharged, although it very well could come to that later in the summer. I just don't think the Mets are there yet or even particularly close to there. Um, but I do think they're going to keep looking for ways to just give him an extra day of rest here or there if they can. Uh, whether that means, like you said, a six-man rotation when Zach Wheeler comes back, uh, I think certainly that's going to be an option, uh, even if it's just one or times, one or two times through the rotation. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be permanent. These six-man rotations very rarely are, but I do think that's something the Mets are going to take a long, hard look at, particularly if Bartolo Colon is still pitching well and everybody else is healthy. Um, but it could also just be as simple as skipping a start 
with the exception of last weekend in Colorado, Logan Verrett's been very, very good when called upon. So uh, they might just skip Harvey once and, and plug Verrett in. They might just plug Verrett in at some point and skip no one and give everyone an extra day that way if they have a stretch of games coming up with not a lot of off days. So there are different ways of doing this, of getting Matt Harvey a little rest, of, of ensuring that uh, I hesitate to bring up innings counts because then people start freaking out and looking at uh, goals and stuff. But just to ensure that when he gets to the end of the season, he's not at 220 innings. Maybe he's more along 190, 195, 200, something like that, which I think can make a big difference. Um, the question is, is it enough? Is it enough uh, sort of doing these things on the fly midseason to get Matt Harvey back to what he has been? I have no idea, and I don't think anyone has any idea. Like I said before, no one's really done this before, throwing the innings load that Harvey did coming off Tommy John's surgery. So it's very much a look and see and evaluate and test these things out on the fly. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is this, this you know, highest number of innings post-Tommy John surgery, and we have really no idea what that does to a pitcher's arm uh, because when you look at the velocity, it is down, but it's not down that much, right? It's down from a 96.5 last year to basically 95 miles an hour this year. 95 miles an hour is still pretty good, right? I looked at the data this morning. 70 pitchers have thrown at least 250 starter uh, fastballs, so basically we're looking at starters. He's 14th. He's throwing harder than Vince Velasquez. He's still throwing it really, really hard, but we kind of see this stuff manifest itself in terms of, you know, are they good fastballs? Command versus control, you said the, the walk rate is up. But um, Matt and I, we were kicking this around yesterday in the office. I think we have, we have two ideas uh, for maybe what's ailing Matt Harvey, and uh, I, I want to kick the past to you and see what you think. The first thing is issues with runners on base, right? When, he, when the bases are empty, he's actually he's been pretty decent. You know, a 271 average against, 333 on base percentage, not so bad. Runners in scoring position this year, 347 uh, batting average, 404 on base. So it's basically the hits are coming at the absolute worst time. So do you see something with him where maybe he's uncomfortable with, with runners on pitching out of the stretch? Yeah, and, and that's actually the one thing that he's uh, personally admitted to was that his mechanics, uh, particularly in April, were very out of whack, out of the stretch. Um, you know, he, he said at the time that he thought it was a pretty simple fix, but it obviously hasn't been because it's something that's uh, still affecting him and has been affecting him. Um, but, but there certainly is something to that. I, I do think, um, you know, he has, has struggled frankly, with runners on base. And it's something we've never really seen from him in the past. You know, talking recently about how good Noah Syndergaard has been in big spots and bearing down. And, um, you know, there are certain ways to quantify that. But sometimes it's just, you know, you reach back and do you have that something extra? Well, Matt Harvey throughout his career has always kind of had that something extra. And the first time we really saw him not have it, uh, at least in a really big spot, was in the World Series last year. And that in that game five um, when he went out for the ninth inning. Um, and this year he just hasn't seemed to have it. When, when he's had a couple of men on base, he hasn't really seemed to bear down and get that out that he really needs. So, uh, yes, I do think there's something to that. Um, I do certainly think there's something mechanical to that. As I said, Matt Harvey has admitted it. Um, but I also think fatigue plays a role in that, too, as it does in, in all factors when we're talking about Matt Harvey right now. The other factor that uh, Mike and I were talking about that might explain some of this, um, in particular, is outfield defense. There's kind of a really interesting stat I want to run by you, which is basically this. On batted balls of at least 200 feet that were not ground balls or not home runs, or basically like fairly deep fly balls that didn't go over. Could, the could possibly be caught. Could possibly be caught. Last year, he had a batting average against of 313 on such balls. 
major league average is about 400, so he was below average last year. This year, 517. So 200 points of extra batting average on the same exact kind of balls. And obviously, you know, the Mets have, they're definitely sort of faking a little bit in center field with their defense. With Cespedes, they want to get his bat in the lineup. So I guess I'm wondering if, do you think there's been any discussion or should there be some discussion of maybe trying to give him a, just maybe even just to get his confidence up, give him Ligaris in center, Juan Ligaris in center field just to sort of give him the quote-unquote good defense lineup behind him? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's been discussion uh, about that yet. Um, but I do think there's something there. I mean, not just with Matt Harvey. You take a step back and look at this uh, Mets team as a whole, the way it's constructed. Um, they, Sandy Alderson all but ignored defense in building this team. Um, and that's not just the outfield. It's the infield, too, to a certain extent. Obviously, they're better up the middle this year than they have been in years past. And, and the eye test says they're even uh, better than the numbers do, which still peg them as pretty below average defensively in the infield. But the outfield in particular, I mean, this team, you know, when you've got Conforto, Cespedes, and Granderson out there, that's three guys that are far from elite defenders. And the Mets were okay with that because of the production that they knew that those guys could bring offensively. Um, that's one reason. But the other reason, the more interesting reason, probably the more pertinent reason, in my opinion, to this discussion of why they were okay with that was because they knew they had such a strikeout staff. They knew... They had pretty much top-to-bottom guys who were going to be better at keeping the ball from being put in play than any other staff in baseball. Uh, so any little blip in that, which we're seeing from Matt Harvey, you know, still striking out guys, but you're talking about striking out like eight batters per nine as opposed to the nine or even approaching ten that we've seen from him in the past. Um, that means more balls are being put in play. That means more fly balls, more balls of 200 or more feet, like you said. And, you know, Every once in a while, those balls are going to land. Uh, you add that up, you uh, slap it on top of the fact that you know Matt Harvey's giving up more line drives. Um, so you know, in general, those are going to be harder to catch, and so on and so forth. I, I do think there's something there. Um, the only thing I'll say to sort of contradict that is, is I think we're kind of looking at symptoms here, both you know, in all these things we're talking about, and, and I think the the main issue, uh, as I said originally. Uh, is that fatigue, and I think if, if that, if they can get Matt Harvey back to the point where he has a fresh arm and he's uh, pitching with a little more velocity, he's striking a lot more guys out, or a few more guys out, excuse me, and so on and so forth, and the command is better, and just go on down the line, uh, I think these symptoms disappear right along with it. No question, but I, I guess my, my, what I'm wondering is sort of, you know, his, his, his fifth, his fielding independent pitching is basically not the same as last year. It was 305 last year. It was 337 this year. So I guess, I mean, there's no way of knowing this, how much different people would be reacting if his ERA was matching his FIP. People would still be talking about the velocity, but I feel like a lot of the concern wouldn't be quite the level that it was because people really mostly, even the best analysts among us, still probably lean on results more than performance. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I just think it's something that he's going to have to live with and that all these Mets starters are going to have to live with because this isn't a good outfield defense. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to put it. Uh, they weren't good last year. They're probably... Uh, worse this year. Uh, you know, Juan Lagares is certainly playing much better. Uh, but outside of that, you know, there's not a lot of uh, places you can turn and say these guys are going to uh, make outs on a consistent basis more than the average team. Uh, they're going to be below average all season long. So uh, while it might not be this extreme and, you know, it might regress to the mean a little bit and all even out in the end, uh, the Mets are going to finish the year as one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. Uh, they're okay with it. 
And if Matt Harvey's not okay with it, he's going to have to learn to be because it's, it's not changing anytime soon. Yeah, so as we, we move from, you know, Matt Harvey, everybody's focusing on, Jacob deGrom, everybody's focusing on, I feel like Mets fans aren't necessarily focusing on the bullpen as much, and uh, that's unfortunate because this bullpen's been shockingly good. They have the best ERA in baseball at 239. They have the best fielding independent pitching uh, in baseball at 260 by actually quite a lot. Uh, and, you know, I think we all kind of had high hopes for Jerry Smilia, but I'm shocked at how well Addison Reed has done. Uh, Bastardo has been really good. Hansel Robles, we love Hansel Robles around here. How surprised are you by this group, and uh, how much of this do you think is real? Uh, you know, I'm not surprised that they have a good bullpen because I thought the pieces were there, and, and I thought they had a lot of depth. Um, what surprises me is that really the seven guys they took with them out of spring training are the seven guys who are more or less getting it done. Um, you know, they, for example, what I mean by that is, you know, they decided not to take Sean Gilmartin out of camp, who was a huge part of last year's bullpen, um, because the guys that they have are doing so well. Uh, Josh Edgen, when he essentially his rehab start ended and he's not ready to come back, and they've been okay because the guys that they broke camp with are doing so well. They just hit on these guys, uh, whether it's Jim Henderson, this reclamation project, former closer who's been really good with the exception of just one or two hiccups, uh, has been great. Um, Antonio Bastardo, a guy they went out and broke Sandy Alderson's mold. Uh, you, know, you have to take a step back and realize this is a GM that does not like investing money in bullpen arms. Well, he gave Antonio Bastardo a two-year deal for quite a bit of money, which is very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, he ponied up an arbitration for Addison Reed when a lot of people, myself included, thought the Mets were going to non-tender Addison Reed after the season just to save money. Um, so I think it's a combination of the Mets going out and saying, you know what, we're going to make bullpen a little bit more of a priority financially for us. Um, and then they just got a little bit lucky that they got hits with some of these guys, that the guys they invested in are performing well for the most part, and that the guys, whether it's Jim Henderson, a minor league invite who came up and is doing well, or uh, Logan Verrett, who has bounced between the bullpen and the rotation and has more or less done very well for this team, um, you know, Jerry Blevins, another guy they invested in, uh, you just go down the line, they've all to a man pretty much performed when called upon. Um, and I think that's a function of the depth. I think that's a function, a little bit of, like I said, getting lucky with some of these signings that they're working out. Um, obviously, bullpen signings can be very uh, fickle from year to year, which is why the Mets don't like investing in it. But they did, and they seem to have pulled the right strings this year. Now, for the last road trip, uh, at least for part of it, they were carrying an extra reliever, and uh, no longer true because they just sent down Sean Gilmartin the other day. But I think what that meant was that they were a little shorthanded on the bench. And uh, I remember watching the series in Colorado and really just crossing my fingers we'd get to see Eric Campbell play shortstop somehow, uh, especially now that Wilmer Flores is hurt. And I think we kind of saw that come to light in the first game of the, of the series against the Nationals because Duda had to sit out with a back issue, Wright had to sit out with a back issue, and all of a sudden you have Eric Campbell playing first and Matt Reynolds making his major league debut at third, which is not really what you want to see. Uh, you know, So how worried are you about the, these corner infielders and their back issues and what that really means for the, the depth of the infield here? Yeah, you know, Lucas Duda in particular, because that's a guy who, coming into the season, you know, you look on paper and you're like, this is the one guy in the lineup, really, uh, that you can expect to play 150-plus games. So if he winds up missing time over the course of a season, it puts you in a little bit more of a bind. Um, but you know, what's interesting about this is the Mets, the Mets constructed this team uh, on the basis of depth and flexibility. Really, before they signed Jonas Cespedes very late in the offseason, that's what their winter was all about, was creating these moving parts, uh, mimicking what they did last summer, 
when Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe came aboard, uh, two guys who you know may not have performed amazingly themselves in Mets uniforms, but just their presence allowed Terry Collins to move guys around and keep guys fresh and keep the machine rolling, so to speak. Uh, the Mets tried to follow that model this year, and you know what it has become clear is that such a huge linchpin of that model was Wilmer Flores. Uh, and he's hurt now, and it's not a major injury, but his absence and really the fact that he wasn't performing very well at all before he got hurt uh, really just uh, weakens the Mets because they don't have that guy who they can back up at every infield position. They don't have uh, that one guy who allows them to put everyone else in the best possible situations to succeed. So if they don't have a healthy, productive Wilmer Flores, yeah, you're looking at situations where you have to start Eric Campbell when you don't necessarily want to start him against the right-handed batter. You have to call up Matt Reynolds and have him make his major league debut against Max Scherzer and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, the Mets really thought depth, and particularly infield depth, was going to be a strength for them coming into this year. Uh, but I think we're realizing now how quickly these things go. And, you know, I think a lot of it channels through that one guy, Wilmer Flores, and they need him back and they need him healthy. And if they do that, all of a sudden you go from a team and you're like, uh-oh, they don't have the right parts in the right places to, okay, okay, we can get through this, we can handle this. If David misses a game, if Lucas misses a game, we can get by. Well, I don't want to say it, and nobody wants to hear me say it, but maybe Ruben Todd is available. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it's to think what would have happened if they had still had him. Hey, Anthony, really good stuff. Um, you're going to be joining us on MLB Plus on Thursday. We're really looking forward to it. So uh, everybody keep an eye out for that. MLB Plus, you can find it on MLB TV. It is free. And uh, keep an eye out for it because it's going to be super fun. Anthony DiComo, MLB.com, Mets beat writer. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. So this has been the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm Mike Petriello, Matt Myers, Anthony DiComo joining us. Catch you next week.